Back here, Landmine Radio. We're here with uh, Assemblymember Forrest Dunbar. How's it going? Been pretty good. Been trying to get you on here for a, for a while. Have you? Uh, I, I think, feel like this is the first time you've really requested. I think I really yes. pushed lately. Yeah, I think yeah. I asked you, and you were you were chair of the assembly for a while, and you were pretty busy. I was for from April till December of now last year, 2018. Um, I was the chair of the assembly. Yeah. I, I got to give you a big shout out for coming on. I know I've kind of poked you a little bit there <laughs> in the last few months. So no, thanks. it's fine. I'm I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, I, I know that you know that I, uh, Casey Reynolds and I had a podcast a right, couple right. years ago, and I sort of miss it sometimes. I really enjoyed talking to him, and yeah, podcast is a great format. You know, you have a lot of control over it. So. You guys did the weekly uh, Midnight Sun for, for a yeah, while. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I miss it, but as you know, uh, podcasts are a lot more work than you'd expect. Like, it's very time-consuming. It was for us to, like, get people scheduled and get yeah. things edited, and, and so um, I just finally decided, like, I just... I can't, I can't do this anymore. Basically, I've got to, you know, focus on my assembly duties or whatever. So. What I found is the easiest is to have it with me and one other person. Yeah, and as you can see, it's a pretty basic setup, and then I have somebody <laughs> edit it. But yeah, when you start to do two, three, three or more people, yeah, it becomes you know coordination and all that. It becomes a little more difficult. Yeah, when you're trying to do it every week and have a, a new person and have new content, you know, and and it's just I don't know. I I think uh, people think that podcasts are very easy to make, and they are. I mean, relative to like a, a radio program or a TV program, they're a lot simpler, which is why people do them. But they're still uh, quite a bit of work. So I admire you for uh, for doing this and sticking with it. And people, uh, I always kind of ask people, do you want to do the podcast? And they kind of, especially politicians, well, what are, what are we going to talk about? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to ask me? <laughs> well, that was never that was never an issue. I know with Casey and I, you can always fill an hour of content. And then you, you told me this is going to be 30 minutes. We'll see how long it goes. I keep them to about 30. Uh, some person who's probably going to be listening, I won't say her name, has, when I first started doing it, she goes, 23 to 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and I go, well, some people, you know, do an hour, like Joe Rogan. And she's like, well, some people are a lot more interesting than you. <laughs> I was like, damn, that is savage. That's Joe harsh. Rogan has the best podcast. You, you listen to his ever? I do not. I listen to Bill Simmons. I don't know if you listen to him. I've heard, I've heard a lot of sports, like the Ringer Podcast Network. That's most of what I listen to. Joe Rogan does, not just uh, audio. He does video. So he has like oh, a interesting. studio. And I mean, he's, he's like, he had the most listened to podcast in 2018. Oh, really? It just came out with the, uh, he's got like millions and millions. He has fascinating people on there. Sure. You know, like political people and then sports people, actors. I mean, all yeah. kinds of fa- fascinating well, you're stuck with me. I got so. Forrest Dunbar. So <laughs> let's talk about you. So you ran um, against Don Young in 2014. Yes. And you had a really interesting kind of the run Forrest run. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who you were until I saw that video you launched. Yeah, the, the, uh, the parody music video. Yes. And yeah. I said, who is, who's that ever. guy? Who's yeah. that guy? I was thinking about that today because um, yesterday there was that pseudo scandal with um, – Alexandria, uh, oh, Ocasio Cortez. Yeah, exactly. AOC, the, da- the dancing, the dancing thing, yeah. and uh, it was a, such a dumb scandal. I mean, it wasn't a scandal. It was like it was a video from her in college like dancing a, like the uh, um, Breakfast Club. Yeah, parody. to uh, to Listomania, <laughs> and she had. I mean, it was a comedy piece that she had done with her friends. It made her look like fun and popular, basically. I, th- I think one of the comments and, was like, "Yeah, she has friends and can dance. Cool." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't understand the fascination with her on either side. I mean, either the right seems to be obsessed with her, yeah. and you know, against her, and the left seems to embrace her as their new like lead you know kind of quasi like up-and-comer well i mean she is uh she represents a part of the left that has historically not actually been very well represented in the democratic party which is sort of the i don't know 
try not to use a pejorative term, but kind of the hard left or what you could say, like socialism. I mean, she's basically a socialist. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, she says that, yeah. Right, and and that part of the left, it's funny because you hear people like Fox News call Obama a socialist or call the Clintons a socialist, but actually they are, in most other countries, they'd be like a center-left party. And oh, that's just, sort of the I was just going to say center-left, yeah. Right, and that's sort of the dominant part of the, of the Democratic Party. And so AOC kind of represents a part of the Democratic Party that hasn't been well-represented, and I think that's why she has gotten this very, I mean, there's other reasons too, but that's one of the reasons she's like, so prominent. I just feel like the obsession with her by the right um, has, yeah, almost, has, almost, has almost kind of um, put her up on, on a new level, you know, it's pr- oh, absolutely projected her to like a higher level than she'd normally have. What happened in the last couple of days with this dancing thing has made her both more popular and more famous than she was it's, it's like, even a month ago. It's like the total opposite. So that video, I think, is a total opposite of the, I don't know if you said the Elizabeth Warren trying to have a beer video. I did not see it. It was one. very awkward. Okay. I mean, she was at a home on a Facebook Live and she was like, Talking up with her husband, she's like, "Let me crack a beer," and she's like drinking this beer, yeah. And it just felt very like yeah. awkward and fort. But but her, the Cortez, it's just so she's a she well, was because a she cool chick. She was in high, college having a good time. <laughs> she uh, she didn't record that with the idea that it was going to be a political thing. Exactly, exactly. At, at and that's, that's, why I mean? re- that's why it's it just why it's looks real. authentic. Yeah, I will say. I mean, obviously, the parody video that that I did was intended to be you know a political introduction for a lot of people. But I think you know. Humor and using humor and comedy in politics is really dangerous. Actually, it's not dangerous like, I don't know. It's just really risky because you can look awkward and silly. There's a very fine line. Right, exactly. And so we we actually, it's funny. I remember Travis Smith, my old campaign manager, and I, we like, we we filmed this thing. It took us like two months because, uh, you know, I I wrote the lyrics and we got my friend David Velasquez to do the music and then we filmed it in different locations. It was like a lot of work. We kind of did it on the side. I I think most people, you know, I've done done stuff as well. A five minute video or four minute video. Yeah. Most people don't realize that's like hours and hours and hours right. and maybe even day, you know, of, of, of time to put together. Right. And so we, we got it done and we were going to release it on April Fool's because I was like, you know, it's April Fool's Day. People will be more forgiving if it bombs or whatever. And even then, I remember like my palms sweating and us talking about like, do we really want to do this? Because a lot of people are going to see this and is it going to backfire on us basically? Because mm-hmm. like you said, it's uh, with, with Elizabeth Warren, although I didn't see that one, but you've seen lots of examples of this where politicians try to be funny and it backfires on them. And so I was just, I, I don't know what it was about that video that seemed to connect with people, but we put it out there and we got very little negative feedback. It was a great, no, it was a good yeah. video. I remember seeing it and i didn't know who, that's how i first got to know who you were yeah by the video yeah and but, but, but i mean that was so that was 2014 i was in my late 20s and i was uh running for an office where you know i wanted to take a legitimate shot at it but people knew i was kind of a long shot and and so you know it's interesting when i ran for the assembly i ran in some ways like a more conservative uh campaign you know what i mean more, more, I said more traditional probably right yeah i mean conservative not in the political sense but conservative in you know yeah i ran a fairly normal themes and I didn't do any parody videos. Knock on doors, send out mail. Yeah, knock on doors, talked about the issues, went to community councils, you know, because in that race, I was sort of, I don't know if I was the heavy favorite, but I think I was expected to win. And when you, when you're expected to win, I think you release less parody music videos. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, I've run, (laughs) you know, I ran for the Senate and obviously I think you and I um, probably have a little bit of a different uh, mentality or maybe outlook on the kind of the campaign strategy and okay. i've done some pretty you know out, i did the lake video i don't know if you remember the lake video where like yeah you know and i remember I, well i remember the helicopter video the, yeah the chopper video there was yeah and you know obviously i didn't win but i think uh you know you have to especially when you have less money than your opponent you have yeah. to find creative ways 
to, to do it. And I don't know, I, you had a lot less money than Don Young, right? I mean, yeah, I did. And, um, but you know, I, I don't have any regrets from that race. I mean, obviously it would have been great to win. And, and I think, uh, Alaska and, you know, we'd be at least a slightly different place now, you know, had, had I, had I won in 2014 and then tried to win in 2016. Um, but you know, ultimately, uh, I have no regrets. It, the, it went the, well, and I and now I love the work I do on the assembly, and um, the best, know, opened a lot of doors. The best part about that race was the Kodiak, uh, yeah, event with the uh, people. Still bring it up to me, actually. Oh, I, I got it brought up to me. Um, I did a podcast with Don Young a month ago or oh, six weeks ago, and somebody had listened to it last week. Yeah, and they were like, "Remember, remember the Forrest Dunbar? <laughs> uh, you know, I killed a guy this last <laughs> yeah. week. Somebody brought that up to me." Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I knock on a lot of doors in my district, and every once in a while, people are like, "Oh yeah, you're the guy that Don Young like implied he was going to kill yeah. <laughs> at the at Kodiak," and and so I had to sort of thank Don for that. I mean, he, he's in some ways he kind of established me in people's minds, you know, and I think his um his campaign team has gotten. Uh, has has realized that and they you know they're, they're more careful about um, the debates he takes and like you know people have said that like when his when his wife's around he's like friendlier and calmer and I, I don't know but anyway so well, and, the, and the podcast I did with him I asked him I said you know congressman he said a bunch of stuff about he was talking about you know back with Nixon and Ford yeah, and Reagan yeah. he was telling stories but I said you know over the years you've said a lot of stuff and I some of it's kind of out you know out there right yeah, yeah. And I go do, do you ever kind of before you say something, kind of think about it, or like, do you, what, what, how does that work? And he was like, well, I, I, I've got a pretty uh, strict standard. Uh, if it's gonna offend my wife, I won't say it. But yeah. luckily, she gives me a pretty big leash. <laughs> so I was just like laughing about how you know the stuff he said and I stories. Actually- you know, it's funny. I, I sometimes think the same way, but it's my mom. You know, I, I don't have a wife yet. But I think about, like, if I'm going to say something or do something in public, is it something my mom would be embarrassed by? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's a pretty good standard. Now, obviously, I don't, I don't know your family. I don't know how your mom felt about the Speedo gate incident. Yeah, they're, they're, my dad's pretty conservative. They're in New Mexico, pretty conservative. <laughs> my, my mom is, she was just kind of confused by the whole thing. Well, uh, she was just like, didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I saw. Why do you wear that? Yeah, well, there you go. I uh, we can that, that's a, a topic for that's another a time. Podcast. Yeah, we can talk about so, your speedo incident. So 2014, you lost against Don Young. Then you ran for the assembly. Yeah, you ran. There was you had one opponent. Yeah, so Paul Honeman had been in that seat. He decided not to run, and so it was an open seat. And then um, Tari Gales. I don't know if you know Tari. I know Tari very well. He was uh, the chair of the Dunleavy Group. Yep, he, was, he, he actually ran against Don Young too. That same year, or maybe did he? Uh, he ran in the primary. Against- yeah, yeah, maybe that's right. I, I, but I actually have gotten to know. I got to know Tari a little bit during the race and afterwards. Actually, he's a guy I actually have a lot of respect for. He's I like Tari uh, a lot. Yeah. Nice guy, smart guy, and um, so we had a. Uh, a good campaign you know i think both of us neither of us went negative on the other which i think was good and we both went out and door knocked and you know in a lot of ways it was a pretty traditional assembly race you know you talk about bread and butter issues i mean that that's you know if we want to talk about the last three years on the assembly you know it's things like public safety it's snow removal it's parks and trails you know the 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 municipality the municipal government does things that are pretty you know close to the bone you know or close to people's homes you know bread and butter issues and i mean I- yeah, I, I go to not all the time, but I've been to many assembly meetings, and yeah. it's, it's interesting how many votes are like ten one or eleven zero. Yeah, that, that aren't really so political. They're kind of more just right. This needs to happen, and so we all know, agree. Right. I mean, so Mark Begich, you know, he started as East Anchorage Assembly uh, member as well, and I remember talking to him before I, I won the first time, and he told me, you know, there's nothing partisan about a pothole, which I think is is true. You know that. 
a lot of issues are not partisan issues. And it's also nice on the assembly, of course, that it's a nonpartisan body. So even though everybody kind of knows who aligns with whom and, and whatever, but, you know, officially it's nonpartisan. On the so ballot, it doesn't, doesn't yeah, show it. Yeah, exactly. So you, you take someone like John Weddleton, for example, who was, uh, I think he was a registered Republican. I could be mistaken about that, but he essentially is an independent. I mean, he, he, thinks for issues himself. He votes. Uh, you never quite know which way he's going to vote. And he's taken some conservative votes and he's taken some progressive and moderate votes. I consider him like a moderate independent, right? Mm-hmm. And it would be very hard for him to run, I think, in a partisan election because he'd be forced to choose. Are you a Democrat or a Republican, right? Because we saw what happened with Jason Gren, for example, where people kind of get uh, caught and attacked from both sides. What happened in his case is a little bit different, but maybe what happened to the governor, you know, that there, there's an example where yeah. you end up getting a, a hit from both sides. So, um, so, uh, Paul you know, Zeton's another kind of it's an interesting yeah, one too. But yeah, I mean, every, all these all these uh, races are sort of sui generis. You know, they're all like sui generis, sui generis. Anyway, uh, big words. <laughs> There's so, a the lawyer coming. I out should know. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're they're unique. They're kind of one of a kind. Every race is is totally different, and um, so you never know quite what the causes are. But but you can say generally that it's hard for independents to run. And the assembly, I think, is a place where it's a little bit easier because you don't have the the the, the D or the R next to your name when you run. So after you've been in there, you're coming up for your uh, re-election here in April. So yep. you've been coming up on three years. You were chair from, was it April to just this December, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was the vice chair before for the year before that um, with uh, Dick Traney as the chair. And then I ran and became the chair in April. And I said when I ran that I was going to step down in December so that we could have some other people take leadership roles. Because uh, Dick Traney is about to term out. Uh-huh. You know, LV Gray Jackson had already termed out. Pat Flynn had already termed out. Bill Starr had already termed out. There was almost no one. Actually, there was no one except for myself who had been either the chair or the vice chair. And so by stepping down, that gave Felix Rivera is now the vice chair. Eric Croft is the chair. Um, and I assume there'll be some more kind of churn in April and maybe, uh, you know, going into next year. So, um, so yeah, so that's what I, I, I promised in April I would step down. Um, and then in December I did. And, uh, you know, it was – but those eight months were really, really informative. I mean, it was like drinking from a fire hose, you know. Um, the whole assembly experience is like drinking from a fire hose because I'm sure you've seen the packets. They're, they're crazy thick. You, you, you learn about so many issues. Oh, yeah. You read so much every week or every couple weeks Uh, and then being the chair you know you're also managing the assembly department which is the attorney's office the ombudsman's office the clerk's office and the clerk's office handles elections and you're you're actually i mean you've got good staff to help you manage but you're doing things like signing off on leave and and you know um helping with promotion decisions or or raise decisions you know and and that management was something that was i wasn't totally expecting i I think a lot of folks don't realize that the you know there's an assembly meeting every two weeks but yeah. There's these committee meetings that are happening all the time and there's totally. what you're talking about with your So you know what's the pay 20 26,000 or 28,000 plus I think we get either it's either 4 or 6 for health insurance and we can take that as cash. So you know it's not nothing but it's not enough I mean, to it's, live on. It's, it's not something you can do. You have to do something else. Yeah. You have to you have to either be retired, retired or wealthy. Right? Yeah, retired, wealthy or have another job where you know that is flexible in some way and I am fortunate that um, I can work as an attorney um, and uh, I work part-time for a native corporation as an attorney and they've been very flexible with me so i can sort of and i'm also in the national guard you know a few days a, a month so i can sort of cobble together a, a middle class income uh with those different things but it's it's, um, it's, it's not unlike the uh, legislature where you have yeah. it's fifty thousand, and that's even worse because it's 50 plus some per diem but yeah. the per diem basically covers your juno expenses yeah um and you know you're three months really it's four months when you consider moving back and forth 
Yeah. And then the sessions tend to always go over. So you've so got to find something in the interim. It, it's to real difficult do. to do yeah, that for a lot of people. Re- regular, I mean, they say citizen legislature or right. citizen assembly, but I mean, I'm in the belief. Maybe I don't know if, how you feel, but my, I'm in the belief that we should pay them a lot more. Yeah, enough to just do it full time. Yeah, and then maybe limit how long you can do it for. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if a lot more, but enough to live on at least, you know, and enough to, I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that are struggling on less, right? And we know that, but we also know that, you know, if you, if you limit the pay, um, and sort of benefits of, of folks, then the only folks you're going to get are people who have these independent sources of wealth. You know what I mean? Like yep. how could, for example, a single working parent serve on the assembly? It would be almost impossible. Very difficult. It would be very difficult, right? And so, um, you know, but it's a, it's a hard political or, or, conversation or, to have. A single parent or, or even, I have a friend who's got, he's married with kids and a good job. Yep. He'd be a great legislator. I've tried to get him to run. And he yep. just laughs at me whenever I, because his income is very high yeah. and he has kids and he you know, doesn't right. go to all the, plus when you, when you, become elected you you know how it is you get you know ridiculed or you get made fun of i mean i've made you fun get of you a little stupid bit parody get- uh, <laughs> articles written about you yeah uh that was speaking of being puzzled about stuff uh my girlfriend and her parents were very puzzled by the whole thing that you were doing with the uh oh my gosh what is it the the great alaska bush company right, that right. whole thing they're like wait a minute the scandal is you don't go to the bush company I know, I know. <laughs> like, what are they what is he doing here it, it like, was I, just uh, i don't know man I, the, the one thing i gotta say about you is at least you're, you're cool about it I've, I've made fun of other people like a lot of Democrats, Republicans. I mean, I'm kind of, I don't really take yeah. sides on, on that. And some people get so upset. I mean, it's just wild. They call, they they yell. Huh. They're, they're just, and it's it's like you're, in a, you're a public official, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I could see if somebody's lying or if somebody's right. saying things that aren't true. But Yeah, I get more upset, um, and it's happened a couple times, where someone will part, publish an article about me that isn't a parody and it has some kind of manifest untruth in it. You know what I mean? Yep. Where it like misportrays what I said or just, just has a, a false something in there that's false and that can be really damaging you know but yeah i mean this this stuff all kind of comes with the territory but it gets back to like trying to convince your friend to run for office you know do you want to enter a profession or 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 calling or however you want to call it where uh where this is just par for the course where like people making fun of you or like half the population uh writing really nasty things about you on social media it's just like what's to be expected i just saw this uh Vice News did a, a thing, a special where it was a half an hour thing with Alexandra Pelosi interviewed all these mm-hmm. outgoing pe- people in Congress, like mm-hmm. 20, ten of them. And this one guy, he um, he goes, he goes. The problem with his job is every vote is a thirty second fucking commercial when when you when you up for reelection. Every vote, you know, you take somebody can take make a oh a, a oh I see what you mean you know? yeah yeah yeah. So he was. It's uh yeah I mean it's it's you know we're trying to strike that balance between you know on the one hand yes politicians should be accessible and they should be uh they should you know work with their constituents and they should have a sense of humor about themselves you know you should you should have a sense of humor about yourself even if you take the issues seriously you know what i'm saying i i say when but, i whenever i say you know i i take the things seriously issues i don't take myself that seriously. right right on the other hand you know you, people have to understand that like public officials are just people. I mean, they're, they're human beings and some of us are wired a little weirdly. I mean, granted there are some weirdos in politics, as you know, I think they draw, they actually draws the, <laughs> well, it's a market for lemons because, because you have to deal with these kind of things, you know, and, and you have to be wired a certain way, but, but yeah, you've got, you've got to kind of walk that line. And, and I do think sometimes folks go over it and just think that they can say or do anything about someone or, uh, without them sort of reacting negatively to it, you know? And, and, I'll say the things that you've written about me, the sort of parody funny things, 
for whatever reason, they haven't really bothered me. But I'm not going to criticize some of the other folks that are angry at you because maybe it hit them in a certain way. Yeah, no, I you understand. Know what I mean? it may, maybe it was something that they feel they have a genuine sore spot about. I don't know. I, well, I don't know what you're talking about there's, exactly. There's parody, which I think is – there should be a lot of leeway on parody. Yeah. On, on the other side, though, and I've learned this. Um, I've dealt with attacks from from certain people. You know, Suzanne Downing has <laughs> said blatantly untrue things about me. And implied, oh, she said plenty of untrue things you know, about me, too. Implied <laughs> that I atta- uh, hurt women and just really – And went after my empl- you know, employer and yeah. wrote my, the, the, the boss's name. And, and what, what the problem is and – and I'm not a big Trump guy, but – I'll tell you what, the one thing he said that I really kind of agree with is the, the libel laws in this country for public officials, you can, the courts have ruled, you can say whatever you want about public officials. They can, it can be wrong, it can be, it can be a I known know. lie. I, I, I'm not a First Amendment lawyer. I don't think that's quite correct, but you're, it's there, pretty there's close. There's a Supreme Court case that goes yeah. back from the, and basically if you're a public official, yeah. um, the, the, bar, the bar is so high. It's very high, yeah. You have to, you have to, you have to prove they wanted to damage you. You have to prove damage yeah. occurred, and it's right. basically almost impossible to. Right, and there are there. I mean, there are other countries that have taken a different approach, but um, you know, again, and then, but then you have to, you have to. I've lived in countries. I think you have too, where, uh, or at least traveled in countries. Like I lived in a country where, if you said anything bad about the president, they'd come to your house and they could throw you. Well, in I mean, jail Thailand, like, you know, the king. You, yeah. I was in Kazakhstan, and they have sort of a benevolent dictator there. Oh, Nazarbayev. Nazarbayev, yeah, yeah good for yeah, you. I was in Kazakhstan, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, Nur Sultan. Uh, yep. So, um, you know, in some ways, he's been a, a good leader. He's He's been very um, pluralistic when it comes to religion, for example. Um, uh, yeah, but, it's, it's a Muslim country, but you don't feel like you're really in a Muslim country when you're there. Well, yeah, I mean, I... Compared I, to, like, you know, like a extreme... Theocracy. Yeah, it's definitely not a theocracy. Um, and, but on the other hand, yeah, it's it's like... Uh, uh, if you were to say anything even remotely slanderous about him or negative about him, like you could, you could disappear. He's, he's or, been there yeah. since I think right after the Soviet Union broke up. And yeah, the yeah. country's economically. So that's always kind of what we're trying to balance, right? Like, how do you make it so people can't just tell out and out lies all the time and get away with it? On the other hand, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to craft a law that doesn't lead you toward, towards authoritarianism, right? No, I, I agree. There has to be a, a middle. Yeah. But as it sits right now in this country, is if you're a public yeah. official or a public figure, you can basically people can say whatever they want about you. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you've got you've got to have a, a thick skin, I guess. But um, anyway, let's let's talk about some issues, man. You want to talk about the the time on the assembly? I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> I what's been what's been um, you know the main things you've dealt with in the sure. last couple? I mean, I know the snow plowing is always comes up in the winter. Yeah, I mean the the overarching kind of issue is obviously the budget and the the. State state has pulled back and so the municipality has tried to step forward and um we've passed balanced budgets the last three years uh but it's forced us to do some unpopular things like uh well tax to the cap for one thing tax right up to the cap um we passed a fuel tax um which it was under the cap but it's sort of diversifying our revenue stream um right now you know the biggest thing we've done in the last year was negotiate the sale of mlmp right you know the admin was negotiating it we voted to put it on the ballot the people of Anchorage voted to give us the authority to finalize the deal uh, or, or finalize. Yeah, it's kind of the right way to phrase it. But and we passed that just just in December. So um, now it's going to go into closing and, and you'll have to go to the RCA mm-hmm. and get approved. The regulatory commission. And that's, you know, there's a the couple reasons for that. One is because Anchorage, frankly, isn't big enough as a city to justify. We have three power utilities, actually, because M- MEA um, is part of it. Too. I think we should actually combine them down to one for the whole rail belt. But well, I mean, that difficult. that would be difficult and controversial, although I think that. 
how this merger goes will sort of dictate over the next 10 to 20 years if that happens. Mm -hmm. If this goes well, then I think people will see the benefits. Um, But the other reason we did it, not just because we think over the long run it'll reduce um, uh, uh, rates over the long run, um, and we think it will also reduce sort of overbuilding of power capacity, but I think it also... um, uh, uh, you know, oh, it'll set the state, the city, rather, I'm sorry. We're trying to make the city a little bit more self-sufficient, frankly, because we don't think we can rely on the state very much anymore. I mean, their their support is probably going to continue falling, right? I mean, that's, if you read the tea leaves, I mean, there's what, a $1.6 billion deficit or something like that, right? I mean- Well, it might be higher now with the price of oils down to, it's around 55, and it was for 75 under Walker, and then Dunleavy came out 64, now it's 54. Well, not only that, but- um, So the revenues have a big impact on, you know, what the deficit- Right, although, you know, the- We don't get a ton of money from when we get a lot, but we don't get as much as we used to from production taxes. So, I mean, what it, a lot of it is, you know, SB 26 passed Dunleavy's rec, re, uh, rhetoric is we're going to no, we're not going to do that. We're going to take all this money and spend it on a full dividend, you know, or even a double dividend. All right, I think and, right now it's 3000, but everybody's everybody's where's my 7000? Well, we promised what 6700. And the point is that that. To get back to the original point, like if we can't rely on Juno, we have to rely on ourselves. And if we're able to um, complete the MLP sale in the right way, we'll use that money to pay down debt and then take a big chunk of it and put it into the trust fund, which is what we did when we sold the telephone utility. And then that trust fund kicks off some revenue for the city every under the tax cap every year. And so that's another way we can kind of insulate ourselves from what's happening at the state. So, you know, big issues, uh, trying to make Anchorage more self-sufficient, trying to... Uh, maintain a reasonable budget that's really kind of been the overarching well, issue and eventually and through, then, a, through attrition and you'll have less i mean you'll have instead of two ceos and two management teams and right two, well that's where a lot of the savings are expected to come for the ratepayers. um and then for the city it's going to be through the sale the the revenue streams from the sale including um the the trust fund interest uh the other big issue that we've been working on you know, basically since the moment I got into the assembly is public safety. And that's sort of the hot topic. Whenever I talk to people, that's one of the first things they bring up. You know, I go door knocking. That's what people are concerned about. Um, And there aren't a lot of sort of levers the municipality can pull. You know, we don't control a lot of the felony laws, for example. Um, But we we have the police force. And so the lever that we have pulled the hardest and the thing that we have invested the most in over the last three years is the Anchorage Police Department. And it is significantly larger now than when, when... Mayor Berkowitz got in in 2015, and even when I got in in 2016, we the the Anchorage Police Department and now has more sworn officers than the state troopers, um, you know, and and we've with those additional officers, and now we've also done other things to invest in the police department, like uh, we purchased a new headquarters downtown, so we can use the old headquarters for evidence storage after we remodel it. Um, we put some more um, non-sworn employees in there as well, you know. We're we're trying to support them with new equipment, um, you know. We're really investing in the police department and. Uh, and that has allowed us to do things like create the investigative support unit. Um, I say we, it's really the police department, obviously. Um, and they go out and, and track down people with felony o- arrest warrants. Um, we have the CAP team, which has been expanded, the community uh, patrol, um, or I'm sorry, the community action policing. I'm trying to think what the right. A stands for, but the community policing uh, model. And they're doing drug interdiction now as well, like street level buys. Um, and, you know, uh, we have more uh, uh, foot patrols. We're able to um, free up people to do more investigations on things like property crime. I mean, that has really been what the city has been investing. I, in. I know this would be a whole probably separate podcast, but yeah. I guess just in a, a you know minute or two, what, what do you attribute 
you know, I've been here, I moved here in 2004. Yep. So you're from here, Alaska. You're born and mm-hmm. raised here. I'm uh, I actually I have to correct people. I my family was living here and they my mom was pregnant with me, but they actually flew down to Oakland to have me because my grandma was a nurse in a hospital there. So I can't say I was born here. You're born, but I you're, was you're, conceived here, <laughs> and I was raised here from like four weeks old. Yeah. So so you you've been here your whole life. I've um you know, I moved here in 2004 to Anchorage, and you know I just it seems like the last couple even when I come here we're in this K one R studio downtown on Fourth Avenue. Yeah. And it's just it just seems like over the last couple of years, I mean, I walk out here sometimes after the show, and there's this guy screaming and atta- yeah. attacking a woman. Yeah, he was had a bat, you know. Jeez. And I, I just see, it just seems like it's gotten bad. Yeah, and, and I know it has. But what do you think's causing that? People have all these different ideas about it. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, crime is one of those things that has a lot of causes. There's not, I mean, you know, this this is this is obvious, but the, you know, there. Uh, there's no single cause for crime. If there was, we would try and solve it, right? I mean, right. it's complicated issues. I'll say I do ride-alongs with the APD. I've done a number yeah, of I've them. done a few. It's... Right, and the thing that strikes me is how much domestic violence there is. Oh, that, yeah. that That is a plague in this city and in this state, and it has been for a long time. Um, but you just go from domestic violence call to domestic violence call, yep. depending on the shift you're riding with. I them. did a Friday night, and half yeah. the calls were that. Yeah, and a lot of them were alcohol-related as well. I don't know if that was your experience. Um, yep. I had one that was a guy who was on meth that was going nuts in a like in a gas station you know you get that kind of stuff too but so i think it's a combination of factors you know one um when an economy turns down typically crime starts to turn up unfortunately uh two i think there were some decisions made by policymakers that were mistaken uh both in staffing and in some of our laws as well um i i i attribute it more to staffing to be honest of uh, a, a lack of prosecutors a lack of troopers a lack of police before we started making this real investment a lack of court time i mean the things that really you know, get the process moving. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you've got uh, some national trends like the opioid crisis. I mean, everybody knows. And now meth is making a big comeback too. Yeah. And that's driving a lot of the crime, you know. So, you know, it's interesting though, you know, the per capita violent crime numbers were higher in the 1990s. And in the 1980s, when we didn't even keep good track of like domestic violence, for example, um, uh, uh, there was a lot of violent crime in Anchorage. We've been a, a violent and traumatized in a lot of ways, like historical trauma, city and state for a long time, you know, and I hope that uh, we can we can work past that, you know, but I, I, it's definitely not going to be easy. And it's like, the, again, it's like the number one thing that we, we try to work on. Um, and there is no simple solution. Uh, I, I will say this. Um, I am sort of skeptical of the way the war on drugs has been fought for the last 40 years. I mean, can you think oh, of I another think- policy where we've spent this much money and this much time? And what are the results been? Like you just said, like, is it better now than it was? 30 years ago i mean like appreciably better are there appreciable appreciably less addicts or fewer addicts now does it feel that well, even, way? even clinton is bill clinton has said they made a mistake and newt gingrich all of them the way in the they 90s the, the, three, the yeah. three strikes and the you know they um and we've it's funny how they just passed something in congress that they reforming the criminal justice reform bill yeah, yeah and they're really maybe starting to deal with it but for years and years everybody's kind of admitted what we're doing is wrong right but they don't change anything right you know we lock all these people millions of people we lock up the highest rate in the in the, in the world yeah and um and look it, it, it maybe that would be justified I, I don't think it would be maybe that would be justified if we saw good results from it but it doesn't seem no, like it's, it's, it's working right so i mean look i 
like I said, we're, we're, we're beefing up the police department. We have, we, we are doing interdiction efforts like, uh, operation midnight sun and things to stop uh, retail theft. I mean, the, the APD is doing that kind of stuff and I want to give them the resources to do it. But at the same time, like the overall society, starting with the federal government, they've got to start realizing this is a public health crisis. Like addiction is a public health crisis. You know what I mean? You can't declare war on addiction. Well, it doesn't do, do, work. Do, you, do you treat it medically or criminally? You know, I think medically is the way to treat it. Well, so We've, you, you treat the, I mean, the criminals, you, you the, the ones who are, you know, the high-level dealers, anyone who engages in any violent behavior. I'm talking about possession clearly, or just use. Right. With those folks, you are, uh, with with the, the former, absolutely it's a criminal matter. But we're not going to get anywhere unless you also have that other component, right? And the I think the, the biggest critique of SB 91, for example, is we kind, we didn't we didn't make that initial investment. We didn't have the the capacity already stood up to actually take that those folks and put them in good treatment, right? And yep. that, it's going to have to be both. It's going to have to be investment in police that are and, and other community safety uh, activities that, that that protect people and stop property crime and that kind of thing. But at the same time, we need to be investing Investing in drug and alcohol treatment and things that reduce, uh, you know, people are self-medicating. You know, people are are they have trauma in their life or they just get hooked. You know, how many veterans got hooked on painkillers after the wars? You know what I'm saying? Oh, and like untold numbers. Yeah. And how do we how do we deal with that? You have to have something. You have to have drug and alcohol treatment to try to get those people off. Now, uh, to get those people off of drugs. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Jesus. There's the there's the yeah yeah yeah. Get the people off of drugs. <laughs> there's a soundbite. Yeah, thank you. No, so you know, and and I get it. People are like, well, it's personal responsibility. Nobody will change until they make that decision in their head. I I, I do agree with that. Well, I think but, some people make the decision, but then they go to get help, and there's nowhere to get help. That's what I was going to say. Like, there are people who say, okay, I'm ready now. I'm ready to to get clean. You know, I've made that decision in my head, but I I don't feel I can do this alone. And we have relatively little place, few places for them to go. You know, um, CITC is doing great work. Aquila House is doing great work. Um, but and uh, you know, the state supports a variety of other programs. But it's just, it's not, it's not really equivalent to the size, the magnitude of the challenge that we have. You know what I mean? I mean, you. So you said you moved here in two thousand four. Yeah. Uh, where you grew up in Arizona, New Mexico, New Mexico. I mean, so I grew up in rural Alaska, and there's just there's a lot of drug and alcohol abuse. You see it from a young age. You know what I mean? I imagine it's the same way in New Mexico. You know? Oh yeah, that's sure. And, and it's it's just. I don't know. It's just sort of pervasive. Um, and uh, look, again, I'm, I'm not like a, uh, a war on drugs, like hardcore warrior, because I, I don't think it's been it's been proven to be effective. But from a relatively young age, I, I could look around and be like, that person's an alcoholic. Like, I, I yeah. wish there was some way to get that person help. You know what I mean? Um, and other countries have started, like Portugal, for example, has has started to move in the direction oh, they've of gone the face. They've gone way yeah. far. But like other but, countries... But it's, been, it's actually been working well you know the, the results the results in portugal have shown that the usage have gone has gone down i mean they've yeah. taken all the money without getting rabbit hole but they've taken yeah. instead of going for criminal prosecution or treating a criminal they've treated it medically yeah and they've seen really good results from it yeah and, and again I'm, I'm not advocating we like immediately go to what portugal has done but i, I think moving in the direction that other countries have of, of recognizing it as a medical issue yeah. i think that's the way you get how you have a long-term solution well we're coming up to the only got a few minutes left but you're yeah. uh up here in april for your second term you're running yeah so far i don't believe you've picked up an opponent correct uh not yet i mean maybe by the time this publishes i will <laughs> you know I, I imagine someone will run against me but um no we've been uh you you know, I've been door knocking actually since this summer, and um, I've been uh, raising money since December. And uh, you know, I'm going to run a, 
hopefully a, a pretty aggressive campaign, you know, and it's, it's a quick turnaround now too because of vote by mail. Oh, but yeah, you have to start, it's a different different way to yeah. campaign when the people get the ballots. The ballots go out on like March 12th. Yep. So, I mean, I know people, I'm gonna put my big signs up and I know some people are gonna be angry at me because they're gonna say, you know, you're doing this too early. But if you think about it, like we're just over two months yeah, away months from out. the ballots. I mean, it's it's like we're in September or late August in a in a general election. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're coming up on it. <laughs> Last quick question I wanted to ask you and, um, Probably a long answer here, but maybe a shortened version. Okay. You know, the assembly very progressive, and I would say moderate to progressive. You look at the members, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, you look at the Anchorage legislature, legislate makeup of the legislature, legislators yeah. from Anchorage, and you know the right, the right kind of screams about you know we can't get people. The assembly's been taken over by the progressives. Do what, they? What, Oh yeah, I'll, sure. You, you've you've heard it, but I'm just why, in your view, have have progressive candidates done so well? Um, for the assembly level, whereas on the legislative level, it tends to be kind of, you know, Republicans do better. You know, I think part of it is the different electorates that vote in the different races, although that might be changing uh, based on vote by mail. Part of it is having that R next to your name. I mean, the Republican Party was so dominant in Alaska for so long, and there's so many more registered Republicans. I think they started to kind of use that R next to their name as a crutch, right? They don't need to run a real campaign. They don't need to go door knock. I mean, I'm not saying that there are some guys that did and and women that did. I mean, but I'm just saying some people are just like, well, if I win the Republican primary, that's it. I'm good. I got the R next to my name. I'm going to win, right? But that's not how it works at the municipality, at the assembly, right? I mean, you got these big districts. You've got no uh, R or D next to your name. People expect to see you at their door. Um, and for whatever reason, the, I think the Dems have done a good job of recruiting folks that will actually do that outreach and go door to door. I think also, you know, municipal issues, like I w- we were talking about earlier, they're not intrinsically partisan. And what people want more than anything else, when I talk to them door to door, is like, I want services. I want high quality services. I want my street plowed. I want my park to be safe. I want a fire truck to come if my neighbor's, uh, you know, house catches on fire. Right. And so the kind of hard right, you know, Ayn Rand, get rid of the government (laughs) thing that has sort of taken over the Republican Party, that doesn't really fly at the municipal level. You know what I'm saying? Because like, what are you going to cut? Police, fire, and snow removal together is about 60% of our budget. You know what I'm saying? So what people want is good government, people that believe in delivering these services. And so if you're running a hard right, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, who, who's like Ted Cruz style person, that's just not going to fly. At and another, good, another point you made there was there's no primary. Yeah. In the assembly. I mean, there's kind of for the mayoral, there's a runoff potentially. But for the right. assembly, it's just the winner. Yeah. So there's no um, – and sometimes you get – Situations where there's three or four candidates, mm-hmm. and then you have one maybe kind of progressive, t- and then Republicans will run two or three people. They'll fight each other, kind of like a primary. Yeah, although, then- I mean, in West Anchorage, the opposite happened, right? Last time uh, when Eric ran, it was Eric and Ira, and they were Ira Perman. Yeah, and, Adam, and they were both, and then Adam, Adam Trombley. Trombley, and Eric still won, even though there was another sort of moderate to progressive. I think a lot of folks thought Adam had a chance there because of that. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, turned out with uh, Croft winning. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, and I go to those meetings, and I just don't know how you guys do that sometimes. I mean, that one guy, what's that fucking guy's name? From, Dude, first uh, of all, don't swear. Uh, oh, it's, po- it's podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's your podcast. But, but um, no, I'm the not going to refer to him as that. No, the one guy, guy who, he shows up to the yes. meetings from the valley. Yes, he, he testifies on every th- single topic. Yeah, and he takes his three minutes, and he doesn't even live here. He, he admittedly says, yeah. "I'm from the valley." Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is, like, for me, like, whatever, I, I'm sitting up on the dais and I'm fine and my colleagues are fine. But I think about the people in the audience that are like, if you testify, you know, if we have 12 issues and you testify three minutes on each, 
or even just two it's minutes over 30 on minutes yeah yeah you've you, you've used like between 20 and 30 minutes or 20 and 40 minutes of everybody's time of everybody's life you know what i mean and people are waiting to testify on their issue and it is interesting uh yeah, it, it can be a little rough. Some, some of the, some of the. I, I mean, it's it's comical though. Some of the folks, what they say. I mean, you have to almost laugh. Yeah, but you well, guys can't laugh, can you? I mean, well, we're I guess not you can. But... To. I mean, every once in a while, someone will tell a joke. Um, Ron Aleva got me pretty good a, a couple meetings ago. Uh, told a joke at my expense, which is pretty funny actually. But I, you know, I'll say that you know, I I went to policy school. I'm kind of a nerd. I I actually really. Most nights, I really enjoy it up there. I really enjoy the people I work with because the people on the assembly, I think, are great. Um, they're they're smart. They're hardworking. They do their homework. Um, and then the issues you work on, like I said, a lot of them aren't uh, partisan. They're more like technical. And there's things you, you want to just craft good public policy that works for people. And that, uh, I don't know, I'm weird. That's fun for me. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh I guess you're about two months away from the ballots going on, huh? So, yep. When's when's the cutoff to file for the assembly? I should I should say like <laughs> I should give some false uh, date, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Just next week. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I think it's February first. So about so. about I've got about less than a month left then less to than determine. A month. So there's, and there's five seats up. I think there's there's five. yours. Yeah, there's five because Amy, it's everybody except for the downtown seat. So the, yeah, yeah, the Croft one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Midtown because uh, and trainees turned out. Trainees turned out, and then John Weddleton in South Anchorage. Yeah, so, so that's that's about almost five. almost half, right? There's eleven. Yeah, every time it's either five or six because it goes mayoral, and then it goes a five, and then it goes a six, or maybe the other way around. But well, I, I yeah. feel like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a. Let me hear. I, I, I feel, pr- feel pretty good about your election, buddy. I feel. You know, I, you've run like for office, office before. You know, you always run as if you're five points down. No, I know, I know. Right? I, know but I just feel like people generally. I mean, there's not been a big, you know, controversy over you. I don't think people are mad at you. Uh, well, if they are, they ain't saying we'll it. See. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I'm sure someone can find something to attack me on. But so far, I got to say, like I said, I've been door knocking. I door knocked in the summer and in the fall, and I was really surprised by how positive people were at the door. So I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I know, I know it's a little challenging. With the door knocking in the in the you know winter and spring compared yeah, yeah. to the, the legislature when it's summertime. Oh know? my gosh! So I was I was door knocking in the summer and I was like, this is so oh, so I, nice. You know, I, I run twice in the primary. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. May, June, July. And it's oh, like it's seventy nice. degrees, seventy five. Yeah, it's way better than the you know I've done the January, February. I've, I've knocked for some assembly candidates before in January, and it's like dark and freezing. Like, what, am I, <laughs> yeah. what am I doing here? Right, right. And people are a little bit less likely to open their door when they see a you know, big bearded man. Oh, I believe me. I've had some of those. Who are, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing here? <laughs> yeah. Re- release the hounds. Yeah. Right. But, uh, no, well, thank you so much well, for having yeah, me. Yeah, Forrest, thanks for coming on buddy. And, uh, I'm sure we'll do another one of these in the future. Yep. All right. Cool. Thanks. Landline.